I am so glad that I've not been saved so long that that song doesn't stir me. I mean, boy, what a blessing that song is. I was, years, several years ago, the Alversons and I were able to go on a cruise and went out to Alaska. We was inside those, uh, inside passage, and we were right there looking at all the God's handiwork. And boy, as I stood there on that balcony and I began to see God's handiwork, I couldn't help it. I had to start singing that song. I didn't sing it that good, but I guarantee you, I started singing that song, How Great Thou Art. I'm glad we've got a big God, aren't you? Well, it's such a joy to be able to introduce Brother Martin. He is no stranger, of course, to our fellowship. He has been the vice moderator. He has taken care of all the vice in our fellowship for the last two, last two years, and I'm very grateful. Been such a blessing. He has been an encouragement. I'm grateful to call him my friend. I said this, I think he's preached once one other time since I've been the moderator. But I said this when I introduced him. I have, every time I've heard him preach, when I was pastoring in Lafayette, the first time I heard him preach, and I, I literally, I went back to my church and I said, God, why would anybody want to care and hear me preach when they could go across town and hear him preach? I mean, I, I was serious about that. And every time I've heard him preach, God has used him to speak to my heart. I'm looking forward to it. Brother Martin, you come preach for us today. I thank you, brother. Nothing like building you up for a letdown, huh? Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. And uh, this place has really improved since last time I preached here. It's very nice. Isn't this a beautiful auditorium? And uh, just uh, great to be here this morning. And Brother Cofield and and uh, he's been a blessing to us, and this church is a great church. Take your Bibles, please, and go with us uh, to the uh, book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, and we'll be looking in chapter 30. If you want to go over and stick a uh, marker or something in Romans chapter 5, we'll look at a verse there uh, as we're going along. And uh, uh, three or four years ago, uh, we came in here. I was preaching at the fellowship, and it's... All of you, if you've ever preached at a preacher's fellowship, you know how intimidating this can be. And uh, when you preach at your church, you preach in your own pulpit, uh, you just get, I don't know, it kind of gets sloshy sometimes. It's, it's so comfortable. And uh, four years ago, three or four years ago, I was getting out of the car, and, and uh, I saw Brother Billy Goolsby, and I thought, oh, my, I'm preaching this morning. <laughs> then I got inside. I saw Bob Dartery here. I thought, oh, no, I'm preaching this morning. Then they had Sammy Allen and Stennett Ballou over here, and I felt like, man, here I've got Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Moses. And I almost felt like Demas just running, (laughs) just just running away. Uh, But this morning we're looking at Genesis chapter 30, and and may the Lord help us there and, and, uh, and give us some things that we stand in need of. Um. Before we read the text, looking back several chapters in the life of, of Jacob, whose name meant a heel catcher, a supplanter, uh, one who supersedes for the purpose of overtaking or taking advantage of. And of course, his brother Esau, in Genesis 27, verse 36, says, Is not He rightly named Jacob, for he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. My birthright and my blessing. Of course, Esau vowed that he would kill 
Jacob upon his father's death. And so his mother, Rebekah, who had conspired with him at the beginning to take the birthright and the blessing, sends him to her brother's house, to his uncle Laban. And Jacob immediately falls in love with Rachel. And you know the story there, the how that he agrees to labor and work for Laban for seven years. And then Laban proves to be more of a supplanter than Jacob. Because the deceiver gets deceived by the deceiver. And he wakes up the next morning with Leah. And he labors another seven years having been outfoxed by his uncle Laban. And then we come to the chapters, chapter 30 where we have several of, if not all of the sons of Jacob that are born and coming to verse 22 when Joseph is born. In verse uh, 25 it, it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away that I may go into mine own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served thee and let me go for thou knowest my service which I have done thee. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eye, carry, for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. If you'll look over in the book of Romans for just a moment, and then we'll come back to this text. And in the book of Romans, in chapter 5 and verse 3, it says, Not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience. And experience hope. Looking back in Genesis chapter 30 and verse 27, a phrase that comes from Laban's lips here as he's attempting to get Jacob to remain with him. Now Jacob's been there almost 20 years. He left that homeland he never saw. As, as far as we know from the Bible, he never got to see his father again alive. As far as we know from the Bible, he never got to see his mother again alive. And he wants to go home. And Laban pleads with him. And he says, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry. And if you mark things in your scripture, if you want to write this down for the title, I have learned by experience. I have learned by experience. Father, bless your word and help us with the time that we have this morning. May we make good use of it. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. You know how much we need and depend upon you. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Whether or not our society and our culture knows it, they live by a lot of everyday phrases that they use that comes directly out of the Bible. When you hear someone talking about the 11th hour, referring to running out of time, that comes from Matthew chapter 20. When somebody refers to being at their wit's end, which basically they are saying, I'm losing my mind, I don't know how to deal with this, but that comes from Psalm 107, verse 23 through 27. 
When you hear someone use the phrase, by the skin of my teeth, to express how they just barely made it through, then you're using Job chapter 19 and verse 20. And of course, when somebody says there's a fly in the ointment, which means some minor error or some minor defect that has really had a major result, comes right out of Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 1. And of course, when you hear someone say there's nothing new under the sun, they mean there's nothing new under the sun, which comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. The writing on the wall, which means something is very obvious and something is very evident, but it comes from the Bible. Most people don't know that. A drop in the bucket we use to speak of things that are unimportant or insignificant. But it comes out of Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 15. The scapegoat, when we want to blame something, or some of us have been the scapegoat. It comes out of the book of Leviticus chapter 16 verse 8. And then, of course, when we're expressing just how dumb people can actually be, and we use that term, they don't know their left hand from the right. Well, that's speaking about a group of people that God had mercy on in the city of Nineveh from Jonah chapter 4 and verse 11. And here we come to a phrase that we've heard many times. I've learned by experience. I've learned by experience. The term that's actually used here is the uh, using observation or observing of times. And in some of the other places in the scripture, it's, it's used of those that would use enchantment and the observers of times. But here it's the first time that we run across that word experience in the Bible. And it's interesting the way that it's worded here, I have learned, I have learned by experience. We've all said it when we've gone through something that didn't turn out so well and, and didn't turn out the way exactly we wanted it to turn out and we say something to the degree, well, I guess I'll just chalk that one up or just write that one down for experience so that we'll know possibly how to deal with it the next time we come around. Some years ago when Tim Jones was our uh, youth pastor, he used to, when he was having difficulty with some of the young people, he would ask them the question. He'd say, how old are you? And, of course, they'd tell him how old they were. Which, and, and, of course, he was normally twice, if not three times, uh, the amount of years that they were. And then he would say something that, if y'all know Brother Tim, you know where this is coming from. But he'd say, how old are you? And they'd tell him how old they, how old they were, and he'd say, uh, I'm, I'm this many years old, and he says, if I had only learned half as much as what I've learned in the years that I have lived, I would still know more than you do. <laughs> and then he would say, you need to listen to me. I saw Lou Holtz on the news this morning, and in his lectures as well as when he would speak to his new recruits, he would say, I've been 18 before, but you've never been 82. So you need to listen up. Now, experience doesn't necessarily come in proportion to time or activity. Experience comes through depth of observation. We've also heard the saying, there's no fool like an old fool. 
Somebody said good judgment comes from experience and, and, good, and experience comes from bad judgment. Amen. But when, when, ja- when, when Jacob got ready to leave and go back home and his uncle Laban now is pleading with him and he says to him there in verse 27, he says, If I've found favor in thine eyes, tarry, for I have learned by experience. Over these almost 20 years, I have observed some things. I've had a, I have observed, and he says, I have learned, look at what he says here, I have learned that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. Now can I give you several observations that I gather from that very quickly? I believe we know this. God blesses His people. Amen? God blesses His people. And and, and regardless of what Jacob had done in, in, in securing the blessing or securing the birthright, God's hand was upon him. And God had a plan and God had a purpose for him. And God's blessing was on his life. Which brings me to observation number two. God blesses us in spite of ourselves. I mean, we're looking at two men here that we wouldn't trust them to sell us insurance nor a used car. Amen? But God's blessing was upon his life and the observation was made I know that God's blessing is upon your life. And God blesses, not only does God bless His people, but God blesses us despite our own unworthiness. I realize that God's blessings upon His people are according to His good pleasure and His good purpose and not based on any goodness or only anything that we could do to deserve those blessings. And I also realize that God's blessings come as a result of obedience and our faith and our our response to Him. But God blesses His people, and God's blessings on His people is many times despite their own unworthiness. And the third thing I'd like for us to notice is that God's blessings on His people sometimes spill over. Amen. Have we ever realized that what God wants to do in our lives is not just simply for us? Amen. That when God when God wants to pour something in on us, He, he not only wants to pour something into us, but He wants to pour it through us. And many times God has to allow things to, to, to swell up and boil over to get to other people, but Whatever God does in our lives is not just to end with us. It must go beyond us. I've learned by experience that God has blessed me for thy sake. See this truth also in 1 Corinthians chapter one and verse, chapter 7, verse 14, when it speaks about an unbelieving husband who is sanctified by the wife. Now, I don't know everything that that means, but I believe that it means that God has blessings for those that aren't aren't even saved because they're connected to those that are saved. Amen? And I realize that back in the Old Testament here in, in the book of Genesis that the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah 
God restrained His judgment upon those cities simply because of His people being there in those cities. God blesses His people. And God's blessing upon His people spill out over His people and sometimes bless other people. God does not bless movements. He blesses men. He doesn't necessarily bless projects. He blesses people. His grace is not just upon institutions, it's upon individuals. His power is just not for cathedrals, but for Christians. I know that God's blessings on my life have been the result of some dear folks that God has chosen to place in my life. I'm glad you're here, Brother Gross. Can I say something? I've learned by experience. God has blessed me was I saved. This man had the task, the ordeal of being my pastor. For how many years was it, Brother Gross? Ten plus years? Ten years? My wife's holding up fingers. She knows how I am on times and places. <laughs> Ten years? Four good years, brother? <laughs> God has blessed me for thy sake. Because God blessed me through you. You can say what you want to about old Laban, but he realized something. God's blessed me through Jacob. God, God's blessing on him has run over and got to me. God placed me with a group of people in a little church in Lafette, Georgia. I told them the same thing recently in our 27th anniversary as pastor there. Now that's nothing compared to Wayne Cofield. Somebody said he got right off the ark and started pastoring here. That's not true. I think it was right after the scattering from the Tower of Babel. But God placed a group of people in my life. And can I say to you, God has blessed me for their sake. God has blessed me for their sake. Somebody talking about this fellowship, and I, oh my, my mind races back. And this is back in the 80s. Memorial, was it Memorial Baptist Tabernacle? Doug Hawkins, Brother Doug Hawkins? You remember? I remember preaching there as a young preacher. I think Brother Gross had something to do with that too. Scared to death even more scared than I am today. But this fellowship, you men in this fellowship, God has blessed me for thy sake. Now I'd like to turn that around too. I'd like to think that, that God's blessings on my little church over there in Lafayette, on the lives of those people, I'd like to think that God has blessed them for my sake. And that in some small way God has used me 
to be a blessing to them. We don't deserve any credit and we are not worthy of it. Neither were these two men. But God blesses His people. And God blesses His people so that He can get the other people and bless them. Somebody has defined experience as that which is observed or learned by actual events. Now in our Baptist circle sometimes we criticize those who put an emphasis upon experience because people tend to accept experience over truth. Now, hey, you try to argue with somebody's experience. It don't matter how far off it is from the truth, if they've gone through it, and you try to give them the truth, and they'll say, but preacher, I know. I know what, I know what happened to me. It's hard to argue with experience. But truth is never determined or verified by our experience. Godly experiences always are always aligned with biblical truth. But learning to walk with God is not an academic endeavor. Most of the Word of God is about various experiences of people and their relationship with God and with the Lord and how that God brought their experiences to bring them to a greater knowledge of Him. Practical Christianity is simply living out by experience what we claim to believe by faith that is based in the Word of God. The difference in success and failure is often one word, experience. The difference in most of us <laughs> and those that are highly successful, one word, experience. You know why I'm not a plumber? Experience. You know why I'm not an electrician? Experience. You know why I'm not a better preacher? Experience. Experience. The world's greatest teacher. Experience. But the world's cruelest. You think back on some of the teachers maybe you had in school and how mean you think they were. But experience can be very, very hard, very cruel, very unforgiving. The most costly teacher is experience. But the greatest learning impact that we can have on our lives is the experiences that God takes us through. God help us, but a lot of our people have a head knowledge of truth that they've been saturated with. But they have very little practical experience of living the Christian life. Vance Havner says a lot of Bible teaching today is like swimming lessons on dry ground. And folks, if you, don't, if you can't experience it, if you can't experience it, over 20 years ago, Brother Brian Lott came from, from Crown College. He was in, in that early group that went through, even when they didn't have any dorms, they went through the, through the, the auditorium there and they, 
they actually put up sheets and, and curtains to have their boys' dorms. And uh, back in those days, I've got some incriminating, in fact, I've got pictures that I could probably get money out of, uh, of Scott Pauley, where they claim that they were practicing how to baptize in the, in the Temple Baptist Church baptistry. I believe they were using it as a hot tub, though. I believe, there's, I believe there's money there in those pictures somewhere or another. But some years ago, Brother Lot, he, when he graduated from Crown College, he, he came to our church and became our, our assistant youth, uh, whatever the pastor don't want to do, assistant. Amen. And uh, shortly after that, we, uh, we had a dear lady in a convalescent home there in Lafayette, and uh, we went up to see her, and they had a commons area there uh, where she was at. That they that doubled for whatever they wanted to use that big room for, and we were sitting there, and I was she was in a wheelchair, and I was I was speaking with her, and it was the first time she'd ever met Brother Lot, and there was another lady in the room. She was probably as about about as far as from me to Brother Goins, and uh, we were sitting there talking to Miss Reed, and we had our backs to this lady, and she began to talk to Brother Lot, and uh, and he turned around and acknowledged her, and then he turned back around to us, and all of a sudden. She started, and she said some things to him that really a sailor probably had never heard before. And she kept saying, hey, hey. And then she called, and she, and she said several things about his mother and his father and all of his siblings. And, uh, and I, I mean, it was, it was really, really, and his face was red. I mean, he was embarrassed. And, and I, I mean, I know it was bad, but it was funny. And, and, and we went through this for another five, six minutes. And, and the, more we, the longer we stayed there, the louder she got. And she wasn't slowing up. So I had prayer with Miss Reed, and we left. And we was walking to the car. I'll never forget it. Brother Lot said, they didn't teach us about this in college. <laughs> God's school of obedience or God's school of experience. There are no walls, no halls, no desk, paper, or pen. There is no schedule, semester, or bail, but class is always in. There are no electives, grade levels, or set tuition. No promotions without satisfactory completion. The head, headmaster sets the curriculum, our subject, the place, the time, and in our turn, Every crisis becomes a classroom. Every trial a teachable moment. Each challenge, instruction and wisdom. Each loss, a lesson to learn. And when the class load becomes overwhelming and the heavy burden of it all causes us to despair, then we turn to look to the other side of the yoke only to find the headmaster pulling there. Can I give you some things about experience real quickly in the time that I've got left? Some things that only can be learned by experience. It is not possible to fully know anything unless you know it experientially. How long we've been saved may tell how long we've 
been at it or been on the road, but it doesn't tell how far we've traveled. Only experience can do that. The majority of Bible narratives, when you pick up your Bible and you start reading and you start looking at people, and if there's, if there's very much said about anybody in this Bible, you know what you can pretty much say? You're reading about the experience of Daniel, of Moses, of Elisha. It's about the experiences of God's people. Laban learned by experience that God blesses and that His blessings come through His people. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 that I have learned that whatsoever state I am in. How would you learn that, Paul? By being in those states. I have learned that whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. And when you go through the list, and we did last night, of those things that he names in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the shipwreck, the beatings, the stonings. And then to come to that point, hey, he didn't, use, he didn't learn that in what we would determine or what we would think to be a classroom. No, he learned it by experience. After all that Job goes through when we get to Job chapter 42, Job says it no better than any, as good as anybody else. He says, I have heard of thee with the hearing of the ear. Well, that's classroom, isn't it? I've heard of thee with the hearing of, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. In the poem we referred to Jesus saying to his disciples, Come unto me, all ye labor and heavy or laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Take my yoke. You know how the disciples learned? They learned by following Jesus around for three and a half years. They learned by experience. And even when Jesus makes this statement, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. They heard it there, they heard the statement then you get over in the book of Acts when they really start feeling the burden and that weight upon them. And they learn it by experience. Today if you go into nursing, you will go into the training or the internship of a hospital and you'll learn by experience. There's a lot of things today that people they go into a certain field, they learn by experience. John chapter 4, when Jesus meets the woman at the well, and he sits down there and he answers all of her various questions, whether they're political, ethnic, or whatever those questions are. And she leaves there with that living water and she goes into town. And she says, come, see a man told me everything, all things ever I did is not this the Christ. And that little group of people goes out of that town and they meet the Lord Jesus Christ. In, in, verse, uh, in John chapter 4, verse 42, it says, after they come to Christ, it says, and they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying, not what you said, for we have heard him ourselves, 
We've experienced this firsthand and know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. The Philippians learned through the experiences of the Apostle Paul. He says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Oh, think about Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas came to the city of Philippi. They went down there to that riverside where those women were meeting and having that prayer meeting. Lydia got saved. And then the demon-possessed damsel that followed them. Paul turned to her and cast the demons out. And she got saved. And those same Philippian believers saw Paul and Silas as they were thrust into the city hall there and how they were beaten and how they were abused and misused and then they were placed in stocks and put into a prison. But hey, wait a minute, that's not all. Then they saw at midnight how that they sang praises and God sent an earthquake and opened the prison up and how that even the old jailer got saved. And Paul said, hey, Remember the things that you've seen and that you've learned of me? How did you get that, folks? You got it through experience. You got it through experience. This just blows my mind when I read Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8. Speaking about the Son of God and it says, Though He were a son, yet learned He obedience by the things which he suffered. Why did God come to this world and robe himself in flesh except to put himself in the place to experience? The Bible says, I have a great high priest that can be touched with the feelings of my infirmities that in all points he was tempted like an, as an, we are, yet without sin. Do you realize that there's nothing that we ever experience that Jesus Christ has not experienced? There's nothing that we ever face that Christ has not gone through by experience. There's some things that we cannot learn except by Experience number two, I'd say, and I'm I'm basically out of time, out of, and, and but I will say this: number two, there are some things that should never be learned by experience. God help us, and God help anybody to make a foolish statement like our young people have got to sow the wild oats. They got to reap that harvest too. I wish I'd never taken a drink of alcohol. Whoever talks about beer tasting good, they're all liars. Beer ain't never taste good. With anything that I ate it, ate along with it. Been better off? What's wrong? Hey, what's wrong with going to an altar and exchanging vows, having never known a man and never known a woman? when you stand there before God. There's some things you don't have to, hey, you don't have to wallow in the mire to know what it's like to be a pig. And there's some things that we cannot learn except by experience, but there's some things we should never learn by experience.
There's some things that we learn by experience, last of all, that we need to pass on to others. You look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3, please. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Some of you pastors, y'all been at this for years and years and all. I, I tell you, this, this morning when I think about the experience that's in this room of serving God and what God has done in unique and special ways in your life, how valuable, how valuable that is. Paul says here, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10. <laughs> when you think about the relationship that Paul had with Timothy, you realize that just about everywhere that you found Paul in the, in the New Testament, Timothy's there. In fact, if Timothy is not with Paul, he's gone somewhere that Paul sent him. Amen? Verse 10, he says, Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, affliction. Y'all tell me what that is. Experience. Experience. All that came upon me at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. How many of you know that by experience? But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving being deceived. Watch this now. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. How'd you learn them, Timothy? It wasn't just Paul sitting there and saying, Hey, Timmy, look at this. Mark this, underline this, make sure you get this. No, Timothy fully knew his life, his experience, his suffering, his persecution. And he says, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned. Men, there's some things that God has taught us. We need to pass on to this next generation. God help us. Every Paul needs a Timothy to pour their life into. And every Timothy needs a Paul. Amen? Have we learned by experience? I know the Bible says, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches. Can we say I've experienced that? When, when he says, I'll never leave thee or forsake thee. I know that truth. I believe it. I claim that. Have you experienced it? Oh, and when it says, and we believe not, yet he abideth faith. What have you learned by experience? What have you learned just about him? Oh, I learned, I've learned that he loves me. The Bible tells me that over and over. It tells me that he is loved, but by, I know that by experience. 
you start telling somebody about the love of God, you, you knock on somebody's door and it seems like they're so cold and they're so foreign to what you're trying to say to them. I, I heard somebody say the other day they'd gone to a certain church up in one of the northern states and their wife sat down with the children in the Sunday school and started talking to them about creation and they all looked like, what? What? We're living in such a gospel-hardened, truth-hardened, gospel and truth-illiterate nation today and you try to explain the love of God to somebody you ever tried to explain how it is to ride a roller coaster and then get on the roller coaster there's quite a bit of difference isn't there it's one thing it's one thing to say God loves me it's another thing to know that it's one thing to say he's faithful. It's another thing to realize he's been faithful. He's seen you through. It's one thing to rehearse that truth and say if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. It's another thing to get up off your knees. For how many times? When the devil's beat you up and said, you don't do that again. Here you go again asking forgiveness for that same thing again. And then the Holy Spirit whispers, go ahead. Because I'll do it again. It's quite another thing to experience. Our heads are bowed. Father, thank you, Lord, for this group of men this morning, these ladies. And Lord, we thank you for your blessing upon our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the things that you've brought us through and the things that you've taught us with your hand from a first-hand experience. I pray for anyone here this morning that may be going through a difficult time, a valley. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to realize that you're bringing us through an experience, something that will impact our lives and stay with us for the rest of our life and into eternity. Pray and ask these things in Jesus' name.